0: that you are doing well today it is going to be a good day back together uh, again as we're here today uh, in that is it really loud out there it sounds like it's really loud to me out there which will probably make me a little bit there we go because I want to yell like a good Baptist preacher and if I hear it like I'm yelling already I feel like I'm just screaming then we don't want to get to that point Um, Church, every uh, week this month, uh, we've been talking about our mission partners and things that are going on uh, here at First Baptist and our partners around the area. Uh, And what we've been hearing is the story of how God has called uh, these mission partners in particular to the ministry that God's called them to. And we've started to open that door to how we can be a part of that too. And each week, following church service, our mission partners set up in the same place. We have a new mission partner this week as well who'll be right outside these doors. And if you wanna find out even more about that, that's the place to go and to start. And today, we're gonna to be talking about um, one of our mission partners that's pretty special and near and dear to our heart for a lot of different reasons. Um, our mission partner called the Refuge for Women. And this morning, would you invite or welcome Miranda Korn up here with me this morning. Now, Miranda's not just anybody. Um, I know we don't look alike at all. But if you look to my right and you see Pastor Mike and Miss Patty grinning as much as they can grin, this is their daughter of Mike and Patty Matthews. And Miranda's our point person. So, can you cheer on mom and dad this morning a little bit today? Yeah. Miranda, we're glad you're here. You can sit with me, seat over here. It's, it's a good and We've already talked about it. If you don't know Mike and Patty yet, you still know that they're Alabama fans, even if you don't know them. That's so true. Isn't it true? So Patty, and I keep asking for the invite to come over to watch an Alabama game. But your mother said she she likes her testimony the way it is. She's never inviting yeah, me that's over. Exactly that's exactly right. I've heard. Yeah,
1: she doesn't need to reveal those secrets.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Miranda, it's great to have you with us. And one, I mean, we don't get to see our grown kids very often, and so I'm just a proud reminder of the families that make up our staff and and whatnot. And you're special that way. But it's special because the ministry that you're doing is also pretty stout. So, um, a quick flyover. Tell us a little bit about the Refuge for Women.
1: Yeah, so Refuge for Women is a national organization that's been in existence since 2009. It's a faith-based organization that serves women escaping human trafficking or sexual exploitation. Um, we serve. Uh, we have a two-year continuum of care as as an aftercare home that allows them to come in free of charge and stay and get the healing and recovery that they need while being introduced to Jesus and a lot of great Bible studies and curriculum and then allows them to get some education, job skill training, things like that that allow them to succeed in life after the the two-year program.
0: That's pretty awesome. Um, As you've gotten connected, so I I know the story a little bit um, because Mike has proudly (laughs) kept us involved along the way. So I know why helping ladies in in need and human trafficking is important to us as a church how did God put it on your heart how did you find yourself connected with Refuge for Women
1: yeah, um, let me just first take a minute to say thank you to all of you as a church body. Um, you guys have been amazing supporters of Refuge for Women over the past few years, um, and especially it's it's awesome to have my parents as a part of this church, um, and it's great to be invited here, not only because I get to speak about something that I love, but also I get to sit in church with my parents, so what a special treat. Um, so, uh, how I got involved with, with Refuge for Women is truly, um, it's a, it's a calling by the Lord that's the only thing I can describe it as Um, up to about five years ago I knew very little about human trafficking and I would probably venture to say that most of you in this room feel the same way Um, my definition of human trafficking at that point was um, very far away from me it was brothels in Thailand it was window shopping in, in New Amsterdam it was way far away from home Um, But what I came to realize about five years ago as I was introduced to Refuge for Women, um, as a volunteer, I served on the board um, when it's, it's an inaugural board, um, and for about three years I served that way. And as I learned and I grew, I realized that the United States is the number one buyer of humans in the world. Um, We, we, you know, it's, it's huge in the United States, but then it's also very close to home. The Houston area is the number two city in America for trafficking. We're situated on that I-10 corridor that makes us very susceptible um, to all of that happening. uh, But also, it just is something that is becoming more and more prominent. So I um, had the the opportunity to volunteer and serve, like I said a second ago. But last year, my husband and I um, had the opportunity to teach the Henry Blackaby Study Experiencing God to our residents in the home. Um, and it's a study that meant a lot to my husband and I. Um, in, previous study, in previous times, we had done the study in the past, and we were excited to teach the residents. Um, and we, we taught them for 12 weeks. It was an amazing time of growing with them in the Lord and allowing them to see the big picture of who our God is. Um, but what I didn't know is that God was working on me as well. Um, isn't it funny how he always does that? He never <laughs> kind of sneaks up us, on us in the, the strangest places. Um, we think we're teaching, but we learn so much. And so they taught me a lot during that time. One of the main points in experiencing God is to find where God is working and join him. Um, and that really stuck out to me this time. Um, and I knew I had been growing and learning and, and understanding more about what human trafficking was. But this, at this point, I knew that God was calling me to more. He was calling me to join him on, in serving on staff. Uh, with Refuge for Women. And that's, I joined them this past January to serve on staff.
0: Amen, that's awesome. So you have seen, I know a lot God doing in your life at, at the Refuge for Women, but also there. Our, our church family, and not all of them, we will even get to, to, to do more than, than pray or give, which are both huge, but you know, the fruit of what God's doing is, it's huge. And I know that's what God used in your life so, so what's a story, or what's a time of, of fruit where God produced something where you thought, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm reminded, even on my worst days, I remember you're in this.
1: Yeah, it's so true that we see some of the worst days possible um, as far as our house is concerned. We welcome women that have experienced some of the deepest, darkest trauma you can possibly imagine. Mm. Um, these women have been through things that are incomprehensible. Um, I really uh, I really want our residents to be able to tell their own story so I won't share um, mm-hmm. specifics with you in, in regards to their dark days but what I will tell you is that they have been through some horrific things and when they come to us there's pain there's hurt there's huge walls built up um, that we believe the only per- only only thing that's possible to tear those down is, is Jesus and so we begin to share the love of Jesus with them. Um, we offer them counseling and healing, and there's definitely some, some physical body things that have to be changed. They haven't had medical or dental care in many, many years. Um, so physical, we offer them the physical needs that they need. A, a roof over their head, food to eat every night that they don't have to work for. Um, but, but those are the physical needs and then we offer them the spiritual and emotional and psychological needs to be met as well we introduce them to the Lord and one of the things that um, I had the privilege a couple of weeks ago we had a resident that came to us about five months ago um, she was rescued out of a sting operation and had been through some horrific um, horrific times she had been trafficked from a very young age at the age of five and um And a statistic that we do know, I won't share specific to her story, but a statistic we do know that is growing rapidly is that around 40% of trafficking victims were first trafficked by a parent. Um, So you can imagine the trafficking side of things just in general, but then you have to also add the fact that someone that is supposed to love and care for them is the one that has first trafficked them. So that's the kind of trauma that she was bringing into our to our home at first Um, she had major walls built up um, and there was anger and resentment and bitterness Um, but slowly our program director as well as our our loving 24-hour staff were able to begin to chip away with the help of the lord with some of those walls to be able to be broken down she gave her life to the lord i'm happy to say Um, and about two weeks ago um, kind of our process at the refuge house is that our our program director meets with her. She has expressed interest in following the Lord and the commandment of baptism. Mm -hmm. And um, so our program director met with her and then I, two weeks ago, had the privilege to take her out to lunch. It was one of her first outings away from the house in in five months. We sat over lunch and she shared the gospel story with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And to hear those words coming out of her mouth the, pr- the progress that I had seen her make in over five months um the the words that she used were I had been looking for love everywhere and here through Jesus I have found unconditional love
0: Amen. Um, and that Amen. is the Amen. most
1: powerful thing I can share
0: that's awesome that's awesome yeah some of you are wanting to clap it's okay it won't hurt <laughs> it, it's all right that's that's awesome well, Miranda, I know there's a lot more to tell, and I know you're excited to have those chances. How, how can we be praying for you as a church and for Refuge for Women?
1: Yeah, I would say the first and foremost thing is to pray for our residents. Um, the, the trauma and, and things that they've experienced, it's hard for them to make it through one day, much less a year or two-year-long program. Um, <clears throat> And so uh, pray for their healing, both their healing physically, their their healing emotionally, the scars that they're working through. Pray for their salvation. Um, We have several residents that have not come to that point yet. So pray for their salvation. Pray for our staff that are are day in, day out ministering to them. Um, It can be exhausting. They can experience secondary trauma um, by hearing some of the stories. So pray for them, pray for their stamina, pray for their wisdom as they have those conversations with our residents. Um, And then next year in July 2023, we are going to be opening our second year program, our transitional living program. So pray that that goes smoothly, that we're able to have residents for for that second year. That second year begins to allow them to, to have some education, job skill training. We know that if we cannot provide for them an opportunity to make a livable wage when they exit the program, then it's more likely that they're going to return back to the life but completing that second year program success rate for refuge for women jumps up to about 90 percent success Mm. Um, so pray pray for that program that we are able to launch that program in july and that we have the funding to do so
0: amen amen can we pray over you right now mike and patty can i invite you up here with me to just stand with your kiddo and put your hands on her and pray over her i know that they are They are proud for more than this reason about what God is doing. But I can't think of two people better to stand up here with. Would you pray for us, with us, church? (sighs) Father God. Lord, you ransomed your your life. Um, For those who were stuck in sin and trapped and captured and trafficked, those who were being abused and broken. You gave your son for those who were seemingly invaluable, worthless to the world, and to show them that they are priceless to you. So Lord Jesus Christ, we praise you for the ministry that you are allowing and your spirit is doing and is moving through the Refuge for Women. And Father God, we pray that that light is on display for all of those women who come in, God. Father Lord, that your hand and your spirit would work through, Lord, supernatural ways, but also through the staff and through others, God, to break down those walls, Lord, that sin and death have just built upon stone upon stone. And so Father God, we just, we just pray that you would use this season of their life Um, to set them free, to help them heal physically, to help them heal mentally and emotionally, but God, to set them free spiritually too. God, we praise you for the staff that's there all the time, God, but we know that, Lord, that that's a difficult season to be in day in and day out, even as a minister. And so, God, we pray that you would renew their strength that you would let their light shine, that you would let their joy just every day be renewed by you. Strengthen their walk with you, God, and draw them to you. And God, we space specifically now for next summer, uh, God, that you would allow this program, Lord, but we believe that it is your will. God, if it's not, you have something better, we're all in. But we believe this is what you want. And so in that, God, just let your will be done. Lord, so that your name can be carried out through testimonies and lives and more and more. Lord, that you might be praised and that your family, God, might be one. Lord, thank you for Miranda, for her life, for her ministry, and for her testimony, for giving of her time today. Lord, be with her as she leaves this place, Lord, as she continues to be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks for being with
1: us. Thank you.
0: Amen. Would you thank Miranda this morning, church? Mm. And y'all being a daddy of a daughter, it makes you want to get your, your hands dirty with the gospel message to make sure that, man, the peace that passes all understanding is available. What a good thing to be a part of the missions, the ministries we're a part of. Um, we're gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter two, chapter one-ish a, a moment today. Uh, this week and then next week, um, even more so, I, I wanna let you know we're gonna do a quick two-week kind of series before we jump into Christmas. Uh, don't worry, Christmas music will come quickly. Um, but over the past few weeks Christy and I have been talking a lot about uh, God's calling and God's purpose for our church and leading in the next year and so uh, this week we'll kind of intro I want to intro to you a little bit um, about where we begin but next week we're going to be talking about the vision that we're going to be heading on next year, the theme for the year Uh, I'm going to invite you and Christy and I are going to invite you into a covenant challenge with us next week and so just really want to encourage you uh, to be with us next week is an important Sunday Um, and as Scott said we're having fajitas afterwards so if the challenge isn't enough then surely a meal can get you to come we just want you to hear and be with us on what's coming up in the year ahead Um, but we got back from Thanksgiving on Friday night I I don't know about you but we travel every other year on Thanksgiving with Christy's family we've been doing this uh, since uh, Connor was born basically Uh, we drive up uh, 10 hours each way and back to just south of Branson and uh, have our sweet time together Uh, and it's pretty incredible we enjoy the time we do all of our things but I'm always reminded and and men I don't know if you're like this too I love visiting my parents I love visiting Christy's parents but when I walk into a house or uh, I'm invited on a vacation that someone else is in charge of it's little different waters do you know what I'm talking about like it's not bad it's just it's different because I'm not the you know the the head of the household in those situations and so uh we we have to kind of get used to that and and I don't know if you're a big family gathering Christy's family all comes together and we do all the goofy stuff but sometimes family holidays don't end with a bunch of smiles and happiness have you ever had one of those have you ever like had a family holiday that you were excited to get to but you couldn't wait to go home from right I mean listen we have had those on my side of the family. Christy, there have been times where that hasn't been good. This was not one of those. And my mom and my mother-in-law are watching. Not it. This was a good one. But... But there are just some holidays when we get people together a little friction happens and there's a reason for that and that's because we're bringing together people of different ages, of different life stages of different maturity levels that have different expectations and different dreams of what it's going to look like and how it's going to happen. We have all these people bringing all these things in together and guess what? Everybody can't have it just like they thought it was going to happen. And so when that happens just... Friction can can jump in. So if you're like, huh, the pastor's family has friction moments too. You're welcome. It just happens. Because God brings us together and that's there. Believe it or not, every week we have a family gathering. We call it church. And we have people of all ages, stages, grades of life, maturity levels. And we all come together. And I know it'll be hard to believe. But sometimes... Some people in church can be hard to get along with. Someone's no, like, "Who's been talking to the pastor?" Nobody. I'm not talking to you. The spirit is right now. If, but I just, I just want you to know that being a family takes effort, and a lot of times in our families, there tend to be extremes when we get together that are pulling on each other. And those are the minorities and everybody else is stuck in the middle, right? Like, well, I really want to do this, but I see their point too. I really want to do this. And we're just trying to figure out which way to go and what to lean into. In in the book of Corinthians, we have this letter to the church at Corinth. And that's what's happening in, in the family. There's just some tug of war going on and, and it's causing division. It's causing the family gatherings not to be as joyful as it ought to be. And I think Paul's writing to the extremes, but I think he's writing to the people in the middle that are trying to figure out what's going on. And so it starts off and, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians, you guys are coming together and I've heard this, this is in verse 12. It won't be on the screen, it'll be in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 12. Paul says, "Listen. I hear there's quarreling, and what I mean is that this, some of you say I follow Paul, some say I follow Apollos, some say I follow Cephas, and some say I follow Christ." Is Christ divided? and that's the rhetorical question because it's it's meant to say no not at all but but i think what paul's saying is as you're coming together and what i'm hearing about you is everybody's trying to connect a powerful influential person to their preferential direction of of leadership and so some of you are connecting it to my name. Some of you are connecting to Paul's name. Some are connecting it to Cephas's name. And some are connecting it to Christ's name. And what you're really just trying to do is have your way by anchoring it to someone who has a better reputation than you. And what it's doing is it's, it's causing friction in your life. And so he's, he's admonishing, he's getting on to those people, but he starts writing to everybody in the middle as well because there starts to understand this question of where does truth lie? And I think that's the point of division that comes into this. Look at verse 17 and 18 in chapter one. 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse one, 17 and 18 says this. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What Paul says is this, is that when you're trying to figure out what's true, I want you to hear it from my lips. If you say I follow Paul, then hear it from me. I didn't come to put my Pauline stamp on you through baptism. That that is not why I exist. In fact, I'm not even preaching baptism. Baptism is something that happens when the gospel has already started working. So I'm going to preach the gospel And those other things will be a part of it. But this is where I stand. Because when you and I start trying to be the Holy Spirit. And we start to try to woo people ourselves to the Lord. Through elegant ways or through elegant wisdom and putting it out. This is what the scripture inspired by the Lord says. Don't do that. Lest the cross be emptied of its power. And as I read that verse, I just thought, when you come to church week in and week out, or maybe this is your first week in after being out, or if God calls you to, and he he moves your job and your family, how do you know the truth from eloquent man-made wisdom dressed in godliness how can you discern that i had a friend of mine she was a youth worker early on in ministry and she said you know i think every good minister needs to be just a little bit arrogant i was like oh that's unfortunate i don't want to be a good minister but the reality is is if you speak the loudest if you puff your chest up enough people will follow you we say this in my house all the time. If you don't know the answer and you need to, just say it like you do with confidence. <laughs> and I think sometimes that's what we try to do. I think that's what we're looking for is who can speak the word with confidence? If, if I'm in sin or if you're in sin and someone calls you on it, just stand up, puff your chin out, puff your chest out and challenge them. Tell them how, what you've done lately, ask them where they stand with Christ. push back as much as you can, so that the bravado of man protects the thin layer of Christ from which you try to blend together to, to be influential. Church truth is not found there. And so today what I want to do is just walk through God's word, and I just want to put into your hands so that you can know, how can I know when it's really the truth? How do I discern the difference? And what do I look out for? And as we we do this, I think Thanksgiving is just the perfect medium to bring it up with. Because I think what Paul's talking about is potent. Look in verse 1 through 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 through 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is what the Bible says. When I, this is Paul, "When when I, when I came to you brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God... Excuse me, the testimony uh, of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And and I was with you in weakness and in fear with much trembling. And my speech and my message, they weren't with plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of, of power so that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of men. But it might rest in the wisdom of God. I, I love what Paul starts off with here. He says, What I want you to be connected to, what I want you to be drawn to, is Christ and the gospel and truth alone. And I started to think of how we, we figure this out. And, and this year we did an we have a giant air fryer that we air fry a turkey in. I feel like it's healthy, I'm not sure. But who had turkey this week? All right, put your hand down. Who had gravy on their turkey this week? Who puts gravy on their turkey because turkey always needs the gravy? We love you, Dan. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really not the best turkey cooker, I'll be honest. I took a few bites, some of it was really good, some of it was really dry. Um, But I can cook a mean steak. And, and if you want to be invited to my house for steak, let me know, we'll work it out for you. Um, but let me tell you something that won't be on the table when you sit down to eat steak at my house. Ketchup. Don't do it. If you bring it, that's how you get kicked out of church. Doesn't work. Listen, If you, if the steaks that you eat always need ketchup or steak sauce, then you need to find a different cook to the glory of God, right? (laughs) Right, and here's what I mean by that. If the steak is cooked well and is seasoned right, then it doesn't need dressing up. If your turkey is cooked right and seasoned right, you put the gravy on the side because every now and then you just want to taste the gravy. But you don't need it because you, you, the turkey is so good. The gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ is that way. It doesn't need the gravy. And if you only enjoy the gospel when it's dressed in the clothes you like, said by the person you like, using the stories that you like, using the version of the Bible you like, then here's what I wanna let you know. Your heart is in the wrong spot. What Paul says is the gospel doesn't need your gravy. You won't find the truth there. And if you are looking for the truth, then do not ground your faith in the charisma, in the plausible wisdom, in the delivery, in the success of broken men and women. Because then you are building your life staked in a broken foundation. Look at verse five with me so that your foundation may not rest in the wisdom of men church i want you to know when you are looking for truth if you are needing that iv drip connected to the gravy of your liking in order to make the truth of god palatable then this is what i would tell you then you will be hurt by the church and it will have detrimental stuff to your faith why because you're hooking it to brokenness and calling it jesus I want you to know, your life group teacher may use the wrong version of the Bible. Shoot, he may even have the copy of the message on his shelf somewhere. Right? If you're anchored to that and they disappoint you, then you're like, God, you let me down again. I just can't wait till you, you don't let me down. Your faith's gonna be broken. I love Pastor Omar. Do you know if you tether your faith to Pastor Omar, one day he's gonna pick a song and he's gonna love it and you're gonna hate it and you're gonna, he's gonna play it enough that you're gonna think I need to go somewhere else where they use godly angelic music, which is code for what I like about Jesus. He's gonna let you down. If you tether your faith to the pastor, it, 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 I, I wanna let you know There's plenty of sticks in the fire. I may lose my cool one day. I I might trip and fall. I, I, I might have a bad moment and forget to wave at you at Denny's. I don't even know where Denny's is, but you follow me? If you stake your truth to a man, to a thing, to a delivery, in other words... If you don't get the gospel without gravy, then you will never know the truth. But you'll think you do. And here's what I know some people love ketchup on their steak, and some people love A1, and neither belong at the table. We have a lot of preferences about Jesus in our life, but all of them belong on the floor. Because the truth, if you want to find it, is found in his word. That's why in the book of Acts, the Bereans were seen as more noble people because when they heard the truth, they didn't just bite. They went back and tested the word to make sure that it was true. So that if, if the truth, if this person was speaking wrong, if someone that they believed in had a bad day, if someone fell, they would still stand. Because we don't worship men or women or how incredible a delivery message is. But we have to be drawn to the power of God. And Paul says, listen, this is what it is. It's the cross, it's Christ, and it's the resurrection that's what it is everything that you and I read everything in life will be anchored there and if it's tethered to anything else anything else then you have to be careful that you haven't unintentionally started covering up the truth and confusing it with worldly plausible wisdom and and I mean this with all that I am and all that I've got with you when you look into the word read every page of it it will point you to Jesus Read the New Testament. Read the purpose of the church. It will tie you down to the purpose of God in the redemption call of Christ in Jesus. The first step in knowing the truth is making sure that the Lord is your anchor and nothing else And church. With YouTube being so plentiful and we put our messages on YouTube, it's hard to not get drawn to delivery. And so it's easy to get a drip of gravy in our life and to think we are eating steak. But if you wanna know the truth and to keep people from conflict, have the church be one as Christ prayed over us in the garden, then you and I must know the truth personally and it will only be sought anchored to Jesus Christ and to the word of God. Paul says, don't do anything else. I don't care how smart it sounds. Look at verse six through nine. The Bible says this. Yet, Among the mature, we do impart wisdom. And I love this line. I just want to pause right here. Paul, I I know the Spirit inspires it so that no one says, Well, I don't need to ever talk to anybody else about Jesus. I just need to read the Bible and I'm good. So I don't need anybody else. Well, Paul says, actually, that sounds pretty childish too. You have to be anchored to Jesus, but you need others. Verse 6 through 9. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it's not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret in a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, No heart of man has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. See, what plausible wisdom tries to do is it tries to sell you that there's a code to crack and they've cracked it. What they try to do is to tell you there's a journey to take and, and they figured it out, that there's a puzzle to solve and they've done it before so they can show you the way. That's what plausible wisdom says. That's not what scripture says. The gospel is not a code to be cracked, it's a gift that was given. The gospel is not the brilliance of man that God bestowed on a person, so you need to follow man so that you can follow Jesus. That's not it. But there's wisdom to be imparted in how you and I can know the truth. And here's what I want you to know. The secret to be revealed is redemption. Redemption. If you look at the cross of Christ, if you look at the life of Christ, if you look at the resurrection of Christ, when you are looking for truth, it will run through Christ and everything it touches will start to taste and look and be fresh, renewed, and redeemed. Because it's always a foretaste of what's to come. That's why I love Paul's imagery here. We have to be anchored to Christ, but we have to know what things happen. The, the, the bed of, of flowers around life around Christ looks like, and that's redemption. And Paul says it's so beautiful. I don't know how you could miss it. He, he, in this verses six through nine, he mixes in his thoughts and he mixes in worldly man's thoughts. He says the, the beauty of Christ is so amazing. The truth of Christ is so amazing. Look at what scripture says about it. The Lord of glory, he has already prepared us what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Like, that's amazing, it's beautiful. In fact, Paul would even say, it's so good, even when times are hard, even when life is difficult, even when your work environment stinks, even when your home life is falling apart, even when you have lost your way. It still doesn't need ketchup. It still doesn't need gravy. Even when the delivery isn't doing it for you. It doesn't matter. Romans 8.18 says this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us. It says even the worst days The truth is that good. And church, we live in a time in a world that makes the gospel into like an ointment that just you put on your wounds as you get them and it slowly heals them over time. We didn't use ointments growing up, we used Bactine. Anybody else use Bactine in here growing up? My granddaddy's house always had Bactine. I think it was basically rubbing alcohol because it just burns the fire out of you and they say, that's a good feeling. That's not a good feeling. (laughs) That's a true story. Hate Bactine. But, But the reality is that's what we treat the gospel as it's just there when we need it and we've got it the rest of the way and we're not really sure if it's working but we're hoping that it is let me tell you something about the gospel let me tell you something about the truth of God and Jesus Christ everything it touches starts to stink of eternity so if your life isn't stinking of eternity that you can't imagine that's so good you can't conceive of it but it's stinking it's not that you're anchored to Jesus and the truth is that you may have let go and have just stopped eating the meat of Christ and you're digesting the dressing of worldly wisdom that we've attached to it. Because everything the gospel touches, that truth of eternity makes it better, it makes it sweeter. And the gospel will never let you down. The gospel will cause the prayers of Christ to be answered. But if you've gotten away from the gospel... And your life in Christ has been about what my expectation of fill in the blank. This person should be for me. This small group should be for me. This what thing should be for me. If, if your expectations have started to become, don't press me on areas that I may be struggling or sitting in. If, if your expectations are putting walls up, then I want you to say, all you're doing is pushing back the touch of Christ. But instead, to say, God, let me anchor to your truth and let you be in charge of the delivery. You'll never live a day where you're not thankful. Let me tell you what worldly wisdom does the gravy that looks like meat, but it's just uh, giblet gravy without the giblets. That's how most of you eat it, I know. That wisdom sounds brilliant. That wisdom makes sense and is acceptable. Verse eight, but the rulers of this age, if they would have understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The truth shouldn't be made to be cool because it's just the truth. The truth shouldn't need your bravado. In fact, if you have bravado, then you probably don't have the truth as much as you think, because the truth humbles us so that we reflect him and not the image we're cultivating. The truth starts to pull us together because it is not a code cracked, but it is revealed. If you want to know the truth, the truth will be anchored to Christ. If you want to know the truth, if, you're, if your truth is anchored to Christ, does the circle around your life taste and smell like eternity a little bit more today than yesterday? No, regardless of what's going on. If you want to know it's the truth, then know it's not a code that's cracked, but it's revealed by the Spirit. It's revealed to you. And I love that. It's not wisdom taught by man. Look at verse 10 through 13 of 2 Corinthians. The Bible says it this way. That these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So, So also, if no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit... Well, now we've received the spirit of the world. Excuse me, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by him, and that we might just impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit interpreting spiritual truths for those who are spirit. What Paul says is this, is I want you to know I don't have a secret way, a style for cooking steaks, so to speak. I just have the emulation that was given to me, the reputation, the process, the recipe that belongs to Christ, and I don't mess with it. And if you don't understand what it says, when I say turn the steak, then I'll tell you what that looks like. You grab the tongs, you flip it. I don't mind unpacking that for you, but it's not gonna be a new truth because the truth is the truth is the truth and it doesn't change. And it's given and it's revealed. It's not cracked. It's not, it's not man's brilliance on display. And I love it. It's almost like he's, he's talking to me, just sitting in the den. He says, David, how do I explain this to you? Do you know how some people have told you in your life that some people know you better than you know yourself? We walked up to rent some shuffleboard stuff this week. And the guy who helped us out had a name tag and it said Davey on it. And I was like, ah, oh, you're, you're a grown dude. I was like, so is your name David? I dropped Davey when I was in kindergarten. He's like, my dad made me drop it when I was seven. I had to go by David. And then I took it back up and he told me his story. He was a neat, neat guy. But I, I started thinking of, of Davy in that moment. I started thinking about this. And I thought, you know what? You might think you know me. My mom may think she knows me. My wife may think she knows me. But do you know who knows me better than all of them? Me. I know when I'm a liar, a thief, and a cheat and trying to make everybody else feel better than I'm not. I know when I look past my sin, but I judge you for yours. I, I know the thoughts of my mind. They, I know this stuff better than everyone who knows me by Davey from growing up. Because my spirit knows. And, and I love what Paul says. And he's like, David, if you know that about you, if you know your spirits knows your highs and your lows better and more intimately than anyone else then catch this who do you think is the revealer of truth some man some woman some book some youtube some fill in the blank or god's spirit himself who do you think knows god better Obviously if my spirit knows me better than God's spirit knows him better then why don't you lean into him How many hours do we give to fill in the blank to bring us intelligence and wisdom and plausible stuff how much easier is that gravy to pour on so the turkey cook doesn't matter instead of saying God I just want to make it in your word and I just want to be in prayer and I want to lift these things up to you and I want you to reveal this to me here's a hint a pastor nor the pope has any better way to talk to the Lord than anyone who professes the name of Jesus Christ and as we grow and mature, we, we, we learn, how do I spend time in the word? How do I do these things in the Lord? But the end goal is not for you to sit and just be, be gravy trained for your whole life. But it's that you might go from immature to mature. And the only way that happens is that you sit on your knees in front of the Lord Jesus Christ in his word and say, show me. But this isn't enough. 20 years of a 12 second devotional and an eight second prayer every day isn't enough. Now how much better how much better is the feast that God has prepared for you. If you anchor your truth to him and stop throwing around the names of everybody else. I've never met a perfect man. I've met many more perfect than me. But I will tell you what scripture says God wants you to be mature in his spirit and we do that in community but it will stunt your growth and you will not know the life of redemption God is preparing you for as he's prepared it if you don't know the truth that it's anchored in him through his word. And until you get there, you'll be torn left and right because the spirit is not searching trying to figure out like a treasure hunt where the things of God are. The Spirit of God placed those truths where he placed them and he makes them rise to the surface and he reveals them. And so in your life, what would happen if the rest of your days... You only tasted gravy when you wanted to, not because you had to, to have it to make it palatable. Men, I'm talking to us. There are more women dragging their, wives, their husbands, the church, than there are men's dragging their families. Stop giving yourself the excuse that your wife is strong enough. Lead to Jesus. And if she pushes back, you run to Jesus. Ladies, I know you're not perfect. But if you eat a good steak in front of your husband long enough... It's either gonna be the stench of death to the dying or it's gonna be the fragrance of heaven and he's gonna want some. I've never met a man that says, I'm so proud that my wife has another man in her life that she goes to spiritual guidance. Let me tell you, I wanna be the most influential man in my wife's life for Jesus doesn't mean I doesn't want her to hear from you but I want to be it but it won't happen if I don't let the spirit of God open my eyes to what he has so here's what scripture says the natural person we don't accept the things from the spirit of God because we haven't earned them and it needs to be harder For they are folly to him. and He doesn't understand them because they are not spiritually discerned. But the spiritual person judges all things, but he himself is judged by no one. For who has understood the lower mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Here's what Paul's saying. When it comes to spiritual matters, Don't worry about what someone who is unspiritual thinks says about your faith, your heart, your love, or your commitment. Because they don't get a say in spiritual things. But, believer, the Spirit of God knows the mind of God. And because of Jesus Christ, you have the mind of Christ. So let the Lord allow you to see, to judge what is right and wrong, spiritually according to his truth and his word. Family is good and church is necessary, but it is not enough. If you wanna know the truth and the truth that sets you free, it's revealed by the spirit of God. Normally, We're called to it because we see the redeeming work of Christ surrounding something somewhere or some some way. But that redeeming work will always be anchored in the truth. And the Bible says in Jesus Christ, you have access to that spirit. So this morning, I want to encourage you and walk with me. I want to encourage you, maybe the first time in your life, to say, God kill the gravy I want to remember what truth tastes like if you're 80 years old in this room and you have never prayed with your wife if you have been too ashamed to even open the Bible with her because she knows more Let that earthly wisdom let it be pushed back, because it is never too late to be anchored to the truth. And if you are new, newly married, then start today so that you can see the beauty of God's meadows and taste the goodness of his fruit. If you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then you don't even know what turkey tastes like. So today, just ask the Lord, I'm a sinner. I wanna stop covering my life in cheap imitation because I wanna know the truth. And Jesus Christ, I believe it begins with you and it is you. Would you be my Lord, my truth? That's how the first step is taken. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, this morning we come to you knowing that you are good, knowing that you are perfect, knowing that you are right. And Lord Jesus, we love the shiny things. They, they draw us and, and shiny things that have Bible verses written on them Lord they just seem like they're even more wooing but God the scripture says that the treasure is found inside the word that the word is not found on the outside of our treasure so God as we prepare for this season as we go into next year Lord would you anchor us to the truth and in that let redemptions touch, spread over us over this place, over this city Lord would you bring life where there is death, would you bring strength where there is weakness, would you bring hope where there has been loss would you bring encouragement where there has been suffering and let it all be tied to your name in the name of Jesus we pray Amen.